The Arts of the San Joaquin Valley is a program that focuses on the arts community from Stockton to Merced and Foothill to Foothill. We talk with local authors, poets, playwrights, fine artists, actors, directors, filmmakers, dancers, musicians, crafters, and makers to learn more about their art and the arts-related events here in our part of the valley. We're your hosts, Linda Scheller. And I'm Sandy Graham. If you're involved in the greater arts community of our area and would like to be featured, we will share our contact information at the end of the show. Hi, today I'm speaking with Isaiah Banks. He is a 3D artist and 3D animator who creates technical game art and 3D meshes. He teaches 3D character rigging, animation, and game design. Thanks so much for speaking with me today, Isaiah. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. I'm excited. Oh, great. Me too. First off, how important was art to you when you were a child? Honestly, that's probably the thing that's been the most constant in my life as far as hobbies or or different things. I've been doing it like most artists. Somebody might ask them, okay, how long have you been doing this? It's really not a question. You've been doing it all your life. It's just to what degree. So I've I've literally been doing it all my life. Um, drawing with me and my dad and both my parents were always, it was always art in the house. It was always art around. And I had an obsession with dinosaurs. So I just drew dinosaurs constantly. So it's it's been pretty prominent in my life. What was your artistic trajectory? What did you start out doing, like drawing? And then, and then where did that lead? I'm traditionally graphite. So just pencils um, and not even anything fancy, no, no charcoal, just the, a regular 2B pencil, whatever I got from school. And I just, like I said, I would draw dinosaurs. I drew what I saw, and I saw dinosaurs all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I, from there, I say like sixth grade to seventh grade, I remember seeing a portrait um, somebody did, and... I just thought in my mind, like, well, I can do better than that. Hmm. <laughs> and um, and I wasn't, like, trying to make myself out to be better. I was just thinking in my mind, like, well, I've actually never tried to do that. I've always tried to. I've just drawn what I've seen out of magazines or just my own little design concepts of, of whatever. So that was the, I remember the first time I, I took the approach of trying to draw a, a person's face. I even remember what, it was uh, Lou Vega, mm. the, the little bit of something, and however that song went. <laughs> and I tried drawing him, and I, it wasn't great, but that was my first introduction of um, into doing portraits. Ah. And from there, I just kept on doing portraits. I kept on like it was a constant. It was another constant. I was either always drawing somebody's face it was usually album covers from musicians that I I liked a lot Mm. portraiture took me a long way even as far as um just in college I would it was actually kind of a little bit of a hustle honestly I would I would post up somewhere in a busy area on campus or something like that I just start drawing I take out a pencil a big um, Bristol pad and I just start drawing with the idea that somebody's going to see this and ask questions and ask for potentially having some work. That was was part of was one of my hustles. Uh, I also used to airbrush. That was you know going back into high school. I was just exploring hmm. um, sculpting. I love 
clay sculpture. I was going like, to ask. I, I love doing it. I Working with my hands is something I don't get to do as often anymore. If I even jump further back, I used to do, uh, and this is funny because now I'm having to actually remember stuff. <laughs> when I was still in grade school, when I was still in elementary school, my mom, who both my parents, big inspirations to me, I've always encouraged me and my sisters to explore different arts, whether it be dance, um, you know, music, all of it. We, we'd done it all. My mom had this video camera, big video camera. And back in the 90s, that, that was a big deal to have a video camera. They were expensive. And as a child, you shouldn't have been touching it. Mm-hmm. But I got my hands on it. And again, I was obsessed with dinosaurs. <laughs> Jurassic Park in 1993 turned me out because I saw the behind the scenes um, with James Earl Jones doing the commentary for it just showing all the ins and outs of everything and it blew my mind hmm. looking at the stop go animation and that just kind of it stuck in me so when I got my hands on that camera <laughs> and I had my little play-doh and clay stuff I just started doing stop go animation just be based off of what I saw and I, I was I was killing it I was killing it so yeah, I, I was animating from an early age too. Now that I think about I really haven't thought about that in years. And I was dope. I was good at it. <laughs> I, and I'm tooting my own horn. I was pretty good at it. Um, working with Clay, uh, doing painting as far as airbrushing. I got an airbrush for Christmas one day and I just started airbrushing shirts. Just kind of everything. Not for money though. I was just doing it just because I wanted to. I was doing it at school for people. It was just a thing. And the graphite. So that was kind of, I didn't really have any direction or or have a plan with the art that I was doing. I was just doing it just because it. I've always had a passion for it. You had and to. Yeah, I had to. And it's just, it's just bloomed into to different areas and different things as, and I'm fortunate to be able to do it, uh, you know, for a living now that I'm, I'm grown. You know, it's just, that's kind of where I started off and where I came to and and then when it came to getting into this computer stuff, it was all by chance, hmm. honestly. It, it, I took a class in um, Riverside, uh, Riverside, California, um, in Southern California. And it didn't take the first time because I didn't really have an affinity for computers. I just, it, it was a, a Maya course, um, but oh. I don't even think at the time it was Autodesk. It was just uh, Maya but then I ended up back in uh, the Valley area. I went to MJC for a semester and I took a course with Kuei Chu at MJC. And I, I don't know, I just got kind of obsessed with it. And for those that don't know, Maya is a uh, 3D software animation and modeling animation software. And yeah, that's and that's where I'm at now. Just all across the board with computer art and animation and technical art and all so what kind of equipment uh did you use then and are you using now equipment as far as computer was why like sure I, i'm not real computer savvy i whatever computer i could get my hands on at the time i would just use so if it could handle what i was using it for I, and i've gone through some of them to get to the one that i have now 
but you know I caught a computer on fire uh, oh. it, it was <laughs> it overheated while I was rendering one night because uh, I called myself doing some Pixar style renders mm-hmm. leave them rendering overnight that little thing pushed it it went as hard as it could but yeah that thing I, I blew out a motherboard and some <laughs> capacitors uh so I couldn't necessarily say what type but the one that i currently have a friend of mine built it for me i Hmm. I, uh he suggested the parts to me i ordered them he put it together you know and the one i had before that also so i kind of go in that route you don't need to do that nowadays um they have gaming computers that can handle all the stuff that you know handle the stuff and more of what it is that i do but as far as hardware yeah, just something that's you know a good amount of RAM. I'm honestly, you know, the stuff is just that's kind of what is available now. It's not like when I was younger. The stuff is just strong nowadays. Hmm. And do you use a mouse or how do you manipulate? Oh, okay. yeah, um, yeah, I use a mouse, but uh, you know, now getting into more detailed stuff. I it's I work with a tablet, um, a Wacom tablet. And for those that aren't familiar with that, that's a, uh, it's, people call them stylus, but when I was coming up, there were tablets. Um, it's just a pencil that you draw on a board. Nowadays, they have the whole screen that you can draw on, but I'm not paying $1,300 for that thing. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just, for sculpting, for digital sculpting, I use a tablet. It just makes things so much easier. You, it's just more familiar once you get used to it. Because, you know, especially if you come from using something, you know, being more physical, using a pen versus clicking on a mouse. So, yeah. um, And but I also I I interchange. You have to kind of be ambidextrous in my field a little bit and Mm. be able to kind of work both sides of your brain. I I mean, it's kind of kind of the same thing, honestly. Uh, But you just have to be able to use your mouse and your tablet a lot of the time at the same time. So. Is there a lot of geometry involved in what you do? Yeah, yeah, no, depends. I mean, geometric shapes, at least. Are um, you? I can, I can be honest. I would say, I'm gonna say yes because, well, for multiple reasons. Because you start off with a geometrical shape in a lot of the programs, um, and you just build up from that. You might start off with a cube you know, a six-sided cube and just keep on extruding, pulling edges out, increasing the volume of it. And then next thing you know, you have, I don't know, it could be a castle if you wanted to. It can be whatever you want, just whatever you dream up, Hmm. whatever you think. It starts off with that one piece of geometry. It starts off with a sphere, um, you know, a a cylinder, even a star, just all type of shapes. You work from those. And, you know, it again, it gets kind of technical and, because I've been doing it for so long, I use a lot of technical terms not to pull myself back. Like, wait a minute, that's not going to make sense to normal people. Hold on, hold on. And then I have to kind of rethink how to how to describe it. But you do use geometry and you do use a lot of math not to turn anybody off because I can be very honest. I was terrible at math. Um, mm. Very bad. And I probably if I had to take a geometry class right now, I'd probably struggle a little bit if I hadn't had the background that I have now because it's just a different form of learning it's applied it's 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 visual it's not just the numbers you see the shapes you're working with the shapes and at one point somebody just told me you know the geometry and the shapes that you're using 
right now translates the same way to that math class that you had a hard time with in school, right? And I said, shut up, get out of here. <laughs> Don't talk to me. <laughs> but it, it was the truth. So you do actually use a, a good amount of geometry, but it's it's not, it, it's fun. It's uh-huh. fun geometry, I'll put it that way. Well, that's great. If you're just tuning in, I'm talking with Isaiah Banks, a 3D artist and animator. So uh, you mentioned Maya. What other software do you use? Oh, my goodness. Uh, countless ones. Um <laughs> In in this field that I work in, you have you just have to keep up with the software, whatever's new that comes up. Um, you have to wear a lot of different hats. So I I work in Maya primarily for uh, technical art, which would involve you know animation, the rigging, which is basically putting a skeletal structure into a a character, effects, you know, cre- rendering, just a multitude of things. Maya is used for. When it comes to sculpting out characters, and when I say characters, that can that can range from a bunch of different things. A, a character could be a, a as simple as a barrel, oh. depending on you know what it's being used for. But as far as characters, I use ZBrush, um, Pixelogic ZBrush. I used Mudbox, which is another Autodesk. Autodesk has a monopoly. Uh, I'm hmm. saying it for the record; they have everything. But um, I, you know, I use Photoshop constantly. It's always open for textures and you know whatever else. I use Unity Engine, Game Engine, Unreal Game Engine. Um, I've used Real Flow in the past. It's just I can just keep on naming programs all That's day. Great. It's just After Effects. You got to kind of know them all if you're doing audio. All the way from uh, we were just talking about Audacity mm-hmm. to Pro Tools to even Fruity Loops, uh, just across the board. You just you learn the stuff. You learn it for what it is that you're using for, and that keeps on branching out and branching out and becoming more and more knowledgeable about that software. So, yeah, you just keep on learning. Where do you learn about new software and new innovations? A lot of it's word of mouth. When you're as deep into it as as some professionals are it's kind of forced on you honestly uh but when i first started you know you had to kind of explore i can even think back it was kind of like you know exploring new lands in a sense Hmm. if i if i want to get poetic with it you it was discovering new things so you would you would be traveling in a sense on this journey of of creativity and this journey of art and creating your you know the best piece that you possibly can and you run into a roadblock like how mm. am I going to achieve this and then you just start searching you start asking people you know the internet is is what the internet is um you know it can be a great tool you start typing things out looking in forums and then you get little clues and little tidbits of somebody pointing you in a direction and you just start traveling and looking oh. and and you find you know you find what you're looking for, you don't, and you just make something work or adjust as needed. But yeah, that's a lot of a lot of the things I've ended up finding out were based off of exploring like that, just looking for what it was that I needed, and you know, getting lucky in a lot of cases. In a lot of cases, I'm not getting lucky, but that makes you be even more creative because you have mm-hmm. to adjust to that. So, I saw something called reality capture. It was described as new on the site I was looking at. Is mm-hmm. that something you're familiar with or that you use? Reality Capture as a program or as a... Uh, I mean, Reality Capture can be used in different ways. So I'm not 
exactly sure what it was that you saw, but it could be um, really it, it could be talking about like photo telemetry, like scan photo scanning. Mm-hmm. It could be talking about uh, motion capture, uh, which is you know animation. Hmm. Um, it could be talking about augmented reality things. I'm not 100 percent sure, and I could be maybe it's just not registering in my brain right now what reality capture. I've even used a program called reality capture before, hmm. so. Yeah, it's just kind of a loose term. In this industry, they just throw around oh. terms like that all the time. If it sounds mm-hmm. fancy, they just use it. <laughs> Are there any artists, either 3D artists, animators, or before that, 2D artists that really inspired you or influenced you? You know, I was watching a documentary on M.C. Escher, and I thought about you, just the geometric shapes and how mm-hmm. important that was to his art. Are there artists that really spoke to you or still do? I have never been good at keeping up with names or if it's if it's music, if it's a a musician, I'm following them. I know their whole life story. I know where they came from. I know the kids. I know everything. Um, As far as artists, I've never really been a person that followed artists. I there's artists that stood out to me when I was younger as far as comic book, like 2D comic artists. Hmm. Couldn't tell you the names. Uh-huh. I'd recognize their art when I see it still to this day. Some of the the Marvel artists from back when uh yeah, primarily like comic book artists. And um actually somebody that that did always stand out to me. Uh Bob Ross was a big um you know, just inspiring. I love environmental scenes. It's, they're just, if I could paint, mm. that's what I would want to be able to do. I would just do that all day. I would just be the biggest bum somewhere off living in a shack, just painting all day. I wouldn't <laughs> care about nothing else. But um, to go back to your question, I uh, not very many artists did I ever really follow like that. I just, as a person that did more mimicry, and copied what I saw, you would think that that would kind of be the case, but it really wasn't. I just, if I saw it, I liked it, and I tried to mimic the style. And that's how a lot of times you learn how to do certain styles. You have to kind of mimic those artists, especially Mm -hmm. in the the field, when you're working in the field, and they want a specific style. You have to be able to do it. Uh So you have to learn it. You have to kind of develop it, keep on practicing that style, keep on looking at the person that has developed that style the best. How do you use research in what you do? It's a big component, isn't it? Or at least recently. Um, It's constantly there. I have so much random knowledge about stuff that I would have never thought that I would have obtained. I I can tell you that, like how there's herds of, of, of cattle and things like that and what do they call it? like pods of whales one that a lot of people wouldn't know hmm. rhinos herds are called crashes oh that's good yeah and I, that's one of them random things that i picked up from doing research on creating a rhinoceros you just do you do background you hmm. observe what it is you learn you watch the movements um as far as animation you look at different images constantly for reference as far as modeling and you just find out stuff so yeah you research is always there i'm always having to look up stuff whether it's referencing because as as an artist don't let anybody ever tell you that you shouldn't have a reference with you you always 
have some form of reference in it. Even if it's your own work that you're referencing, you're always kind of referencing something. Even if you're just going off the top of your head, creating something, you're still referencing something mm-hmm. that you observed at some point in your life or, or something. So I've, I've heard artists um, like teachers state the opposite but i don't necessarily agree with that and, mm. and that's me being opinionated but oh, that's okay. you know that's that's my opinion um if i'm modeling something out for example if i have to sculpt or if i have to paint like the sistine chapel or something like that i need to have so much reference material just to kind of observe and look at what i'm seeing i have to do so much research to see what type of what type of stones or what type of paint was used, what type of thing, just so you can get that same look, those same features and mm. as far as painting, as far as animation. I have to do the research on how things move. You have to do the mm. research on uh, anatomy, on muscular structure, mm-hmm. just to know how things deform when something moves. You have to pull references for those actual movements of walking, running, swinging, you know, constantly as far as rigging, which is something I teach in um, San Jose, you have to, again, with anatomy, you have to know what it is that you're rigging up, what type of bone structure you're giving it, how it moves and where things are actually located. Because as humans, we might look at something and feel like we know how stuff is and what stuff looks like. But when you're actually having to put the, I can guarantee you're going to mess it up. Mm-hmm. Things aren't going to move, right? Because it's not what you actually thought. I still do it and I teach this. So, yeah, it's a, it's, it's kind of a constant. It's, it's always present having to research things and having to reference, you know, what it is that you're working on. You sent me a link to some of your work and I was astonished at how lifelike the movements were. And I thought you must have really looked into the anatomy and physiology of the creatures and humans to be able to do this and have it so lifelike. I I appreciate that. That means a lot because it's a lot of work. It's a lot of um, it's a lot of hours uh, and you have to be able to really you, you have to open your mind up to knowing that what you feel like you see or what you thought was right, it's most likely not. You have to pay attention to other things outside of what you just are used to seeing and thinking. And I think a a good example of that would be, I might have just assumed or thought in my mind because I've seen people all my life while I was um, rigging up a character. So again, rigging is putting a skeletal structure into a, a 3D mesh. Um, or 2D mesh even. It just depends on uh, what you're going about. But in this in this situation, rigging up a, a 3D character and the person's shape was a little a little different. They were a little oblong um, and it was it was for a stylized type of character. So it wasn't normal proportions or anything like that. It was something that might look more like a I don't know, like a Pixar character or something that's humanoid but just a little off Hmm. while I was rigging this character up I was um, rigging up the leg and I had to kind of realize that all right you go from the the top leg socket down to the knee down to the ankle and a person might think it's just as simple as that let me just put these joints in where I feel like they're going to bend and where I feel like they're going to deform I put a joint 
the first joint in the character. Now, I know this is abstract and it's going to be hard to kind of understand without seeing it, but just try to follow. Just try to picture. I put the joint in where you where a person might feel where their pelvis bone is, thinking that that was where the leg bent without looking at a reference, without paying attention to anatomy or bone structure, not having any reference in front of me, just feeling like I've been doing this for so long. I know where things are. I know how things go. I have a leg. It's right here. And just put the joint in and then finished rigging up the character just to find out that when I bent the leg, it was completely wrong Hmm. because I wasn't paying attention. I was rushing stuff and I thought that I knew. I just knew that I knew. I was like, I'm right. And that set me back some hours worth of work because I had to redo it. It's things like that where you need to, you have to kind of pay (laughs) attention to the things that you're doing and and look at things in a way that might not be as natural to Mm -hmm. you to see. Or you have to pay attention to the details that are there. Just You open your eye, you look through different lenses Uh. a little bit. This is Linda Scheller. I'm in conversation with 3D artist, animator, and teacher Isaiah Banks. And you're listening to Arts of the San Joaquin Valley on KCBP Radio, 95.5 FM, and streaming at kcbpradio.org. Please tell us more about how you create and use 3D meshes. To me, it's just a term, and maybe you can help me and our listeners understand what, what that means. I can do my best. Um, the best way I can describe it to somebody that, that doesn't know, because I get, you know, you, you might be at a, a wedding or at a class reunion and people are asking, you know, might run into somebody you haven't seen in years at the grocery store. And they're like, what have you been doing? You know, what do you do now? Especially if you're not really active on, on social media and things like that. People ask you what you do and nobody understands what I'm talking about when I tell them <laughs> what I do. Nobody gets it. Everyone just goes to kind of what they know, and I've just adapted that. If somebody asks me, I'm like, oh, you know, I do the I, I do the video games. I create the video games, or I do the animations, the Pixar stuff, and, you know, the, the Toy Story things. And they just go, like, oh, okay, and we leave it at that. We just keep on pushing because all the nuances of it, they don't – it would take all day, you know? So – the best way that I can say, you know, to to clarify is basically you just um, you you take a piece of geometry in a sense and you shape that. It's think of it like sculpting with clay or with Play-Doh or think of it like doing that on the computer. Um, you know, you just keep on adding layers and layers and sculpting and detailing until you get you know, what it is that, you know, getting the details out of the thing that you're working on or the character that you're working on. So a lot more, you know, to it than that. I can go into, you know, polys and and what they represent and a poly count and increasing the amount of geometry that you have in order to get more depth to it. You know, I can go into all type of details, but to somebody that doesn't really know and is is just trying to get like an idea of all right well i'm seeing this movie and they say it's 3d and i see for example woody from toy story on on tv and i might think that that's a that's a toy that somebody made and now they put the toy into the computer and 
they're making the toy move around from stuff in the computer. It, it's it's a lot more to it. It's much more to it than that. And that was completely wrong. Also, it's you have to kind of create the thing. And best thing I can kind of tell somebody would be to. If you're familiar with photos, which most people are, people will reference their their phone cameras and how many pixels it has. Uh, Poly's mesh topology is the same thing as pixels, just in a three-dimensional sense. The, Mm. The little squares that you see if you keep on zooming into a picture until it starts to, what they say, pixelate, Mm -hmm. and you see all the little boxes of colors, and the stronger your camera is, the more pixels it has, you know, the the higher and brighter and more, you know, high quality it's going to look. Larger images also, but, you know, that's that's the 2D side of it. Mm. When it comes to 3D, works the same way. They're just called polys. And a 3D mesh is a collection of polys. It's, it's it would be the picture in this in this metaphor. Mm-hmm. So, um, and the more polys that you have in your geometry, the more dense the mesh is, the more high resolution it is, versus real boxy type of stuff. You're listening to KCBP Community Radio at ninety five point five FM and streaming at kcbpradio.org. I'm curious about how you would create an environment for the animation. Does that come first or last? And what do you have to do to make that environment? Well, I'm, and I'm assuming you're talking about, because you've you seen some of my work. Yes. Um, for those that haven't seen any of my work, what, what we're talking about right now in this moment is, is game art. Um, because while I, I do a lot of different things... Uh, I'm also a game artist. I, I teach with an emphasis and focus on gaming versus, you know, for example, cinematic, like I've been mentioning, movie mm-hmm. type of things, or for example, um, stuff that you might see in in commercials where they have all the effects and I don't know weird stuff like Skittles commercials where they have all type of strange things happening. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, those type of things. It's it's also 3D. Um, even as far as you watch ESPN and see a lot of the graphics that they have, like the football coming in and breaking the screen and, you know, uh, just all type of random things. It, it goes across the board. It all is kind of we're speaking all in the same field. Um, but my emphasis in this situation is in, in um, gaming. So when it comes to game environment and game art, um, as far as making the environments, there's a lot to it. Because you have to make every piece of the environment. You mm-hmm. have to, even down to the blades of grass, you know. Oh, wow. Depending on on what the job is. And, and again, it's, every, it's so, there's so much to it. There's so much involved. So I'll break it down like this, the best way I can put it. To your question that uh, as far as environmental art and approaching, creating a scene, and putting something in the scene. In a production sense, if I'm doing a job, these roles are being played um, by different people. Being a generalist is what we call it, and wearing a bunch of different hats was kind of a necessity. You just, you had to know how to do kind of everything. It's not like that anymore. Mm -hmm. You have a focus. You are just 
an animator or you are just an, a sculptor, you are just a a technical artist, rigging and you know all that. You're it's, it's a focused type of positions, and you're just an environmental artist. So the environmental artist would be making environmental set pieces all day. Hmm. So and set pieces range from anything. If you're if you're in a, a office building, you're making desks, you're making lamps, uh, you know, you're making speakers, computer screens, all type of things. And that's considered environmental art. Mm-hmm. You're making chairs, just whatever the scene needs, that's what you're creating. And going back to what I said earlier in the conversation about anything can be a character in a sense. Mm-hmm. And an example of that would be if you're doing environmental art, you're creating all the set pieces and everything like that. But maybe it's something that's more cartoony and maybe the game or the movie or the, the short film, whatever it is, entails having, I don't know, a puzzle piece be a main character. And it's a story about a, a bunch of puzzle pieces that are, are, you know, missing one piece to the puzzle because it got lost or fell off the table and they come to life and have to look for it. Hmm. I'm coming up with this off the top. Oh, that's you great. Know? But, um, and now they have to go find that other puzzle piece to be complete or something like that. That puzzle piece, which originally would be just an environmental piece, has now become a character. Mm-hmm. So if you can kind of wrap your head around that and, and kind of think of it more broadly like that, when something has a, a bigger role, needs to articulate and move and function and, and show personality, show movement, whatever the case is, then that item becomes a character and no longer really falls in the um, in the environmental realm because there's other things that need to be focused on as far as that character. So, but... I'm digress. I digress. Uh, <laughs> environmental work is just you know you have to. It kind of it's across the board. Everything outside of, I, I guess, characters, animation, environmental stuff is everything. Hmm. I've I've spent many 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 hours making trees, plants, flowers, uh, rocks, rocks. Constantly making rock. You would never think of how many rocks there are in the world until you have to be an environmental artist making rocks for outside it's terrible <laughs> uh, but no nah, it's you you just you make as many props as you can mm-hmm. and if you are if you come from theater and you can think of it in that sense of if you are dressing a set and need a bunch of different set pieces that's what doing environmental art is you need the set pieces for the scene to make the scene and then you you put them all together to build the scene up to make it look to the you know the standard of Mm -hmm. of the the art director and they're going to tell you that something's off and then you have to go fix it and change Mm -hmm. it and make adaptations and but eventually you get this you know brilliant looking piece of work in your opinion, what elements are important for making a good game? What what would you want to see in there to make it really make exceptional? It, to make a good game? Yeah. Oh, You're asking the wrong person. What? I, I've <laughs> I've done. Uh, I'm I'm I have an old mentality, and we're talking art. Mm-hmm. So I'm um, keep my focus on art. As far as what would make a good game to me visually, mm-hmm. I like for things to be to stand out you know it's it's 
people are so used to seeing um, the same thing in a sense. Hmm. Uh, I just finished doing a contract recently for um, I I did some work for uh, NBA 2K 2020. 2K, you make a game, mm-hmm. and when you make a game that comes out, the same game comes out uh, every year, because prior to that it was 2019, 2018, um, you kind of have a format for it. You have mm-hmm. a formula, and in a sense you do the same thing every year, which is fine. Continuity. Yeah, yeah. Um, you do the same thing every year, which is which is fine, and it, but it always has the same the same look to it, the same, you know, mm-hmm. realism to it. And that's great. But it's with the same idea. You have these realistic, photorealistic um, people, characters, or whatever you have it running around doing whatever it is that they do. In a lot of cases, it's it's guns. Uh, I'm not a fan. But as far as the art, yeah, it's, it's very, um, you know, it, it looks nice. It looks like, oh, yeah, that... It looks like people that I see walking down the street. I'm not the biggest fan of that mm. because at that point, the creativity is taken out of it, in my mm-hmm. opinion. Even the process of how to do it is different and isn't as artistically geared as what I would like if I was creating something. Mm-hmm. Um, because why would I want to play a real life? You know, if I want to play... I don't know. Uh, the Sims. Yeah, I, 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 <laughs> yeah. If I, but even The Sims has art to it. The style mm-hmm. of The Sims is different. It's stylized. It's creative. People are are creating those characters, and the best way that I can put it is, you know, for example, is when it comes to some of these other titles, people aren't really, you know, it's all computered generated it's photos it's Hmm. um photo scans it's even as far as the movement you don't really use the animators the same way it's the you they're used for cleanup work but they use uh motion capture because it's so readily available now it's it's cheaper you don't have to have a lot of animators animating for hours and you know you just put somebody in a suit with the little little balls attached to the suit all the things that people are probably familiar with from um lord of the rings just as much mocap that the Weta Studios used for all their, you know, movies. That's, you know, that's kind of the the way that these games are created now. So to go back to your question, what I would like, what would make a good game to me is what a lot of indie game studios do, even as far as some um, groups in Modesto have been working towards that I've I've recently been communicating with as far as creating, you know, titles of their own and, you know, using their own creativity where you are bringing artists together and making something, hmm. you know, coming up with actually creating something is what would make a good game to me where I can look at the work and I can see the details and I can see the effort that somebody put in to make something, even if they had a low budget, even if they didn't have a budget at all and it was just a couple of people working towards something that to me holds more weight because mm-hmm. I'm looking at it from a, from an artist perspective and what I want to see is art is somebody creating not letting you know new innovations or computers do something for you mm-hmm. but you stay in control and express yourself artistically 
I was contacted uh, about a year ago uh, by a young man who's trying to put together a team of people that are are from the valley that are more local to create a a game studio in this situation to so he was bringing together a lot of different a lot of different areas in the field uh, engineers uh, artists uh, just kind of across the board everything that's needed for production I want to say audio technicians for uh, mm-hmm. something also and I don't know how he even found me honestly I have no idea I, I thought he was somebody I knew when he contacted me because I saw the area code but um, it was a nice guy and well, we stayed in contact this was about a year ago and um, more recently about a month ago he contacted me again letting me know that they were having a a uh, meetup for people that were, you know, into this type of stuff, mm. into game design. And he wanted me, he wanted to see if I could possibly come. It, it makes it difficult, you know, when work schedule, things can kind of be hectic and being out in the Bay and, you know, it's, it's kind of difficult, but I, I let him know if I can, I, I come and I actually had time to stop by. And it was actually the, um, I can tell you where it was at. Over uh, off of Ninth Street, I can mm-hmm. kind of tell you what, what it was at. Uh, <laughs> over by MJC off of Ninth Street. Uh-huh. Recently, there's been a um, a gaming uh, esports facility open up, and I wish I knew the name of it, but it's 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 right there off of Ninth and uh, Tully or Ninth and College in That's between great. those two. And I, I'm very very happy with what I seen when I went there and what. Uh, the gentleman that put the facility together is doing and reaching out to the youth and trying to have a place for them to to spend time in a kind of safe environment and do things that they like to do, things that, you know, a lot of kids do, play video games. Uh-huh. And they're able to do it in this location where he has all, you know, he has everything, computers, games. He has so much stuff in there set up for these kids to be able to have these competitions and all type of things. And that's where they had that meetup. And I met some talented people and I heard what they were trying to do. And I was, uh, and I was like, you know, this is right around the corner from MJC. Once school starts back up again, I feel like this is going to take off. I'm really excited to, to see this and, and watch how it would develop um, and know that there's, there's a life for this field out here in the Valley because primarily it's, it's, you know, it's focal point is, Bay area mm-hmm. and that's where all my work comes from so uh yeah it's it's i'm keeping my eye out for that i'm really uh interested in where it goes and how it develops and and uh you know the the talent that comes out of there because there's a lot of talent out here mm-hmm. uh you know I, i'm from out here and uh, you know i'm half man half amazing so you know it's 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 obviously there so now um <laughs> Yeah, I'm talking with Isaiah Banks, 3D artist, animator. He's our guest today on KCBP's Arts of the San Joaquin Valley. Where have you taught 3D character rigging, animation, and game design? I've taught uh, out in the Bay Area. I teach at the um, Cogswell in San Jose uh, facility in Berkeley, Ken Shapes, and other entities that are kind of, you know, they're more so like non-profit hmm. type of situations. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, you deal a lot with uh, the youth and trying to keep them engaged after school and giving them a focal point. Because out in the Bay Area, there's a lot of 
gearing kids, which I wasn't really familiar with coming from um, the Valley. They already have a lot of things set up for them to, to go in a direction, to have a focus. So similar to what I just finished uh, mentioning about the facility off of 9th Street, they'll have some place where the kids can go where they learn from us. Mm-hmm. So, um, But the primary one has been San Jose at Cogswell uh, University. I teach um, character rigging there. Teaching can be, as you know, mm-hmm. t- teaching can be something. So uh, <laughs> I actually enjoy it. I, I do enjoy it. It's, it's different. You, As much as you might think it would be the same, if you do it for a certain amount of time over and over again, it's not, mm. it's not. And things change with the students and with the times. And that's the perfect place for you to, to be made to feel old. <laughs> students, I don't care what age you're teaching, they can make you feel very old. And yeah, I'm just going to leave it at that. They talk about stuff I don't know about all the time. I'm like, what are y'all talking about? Well, then I am antiquated. I'm the pinball generation. <laughs> <laughs> well, what advice would you give to young people then if they are starting to think, gee, I'd like to do this? That's a tough question. And I, I don't want it to sound like I'm stumped with this because I'm not. I'm definitely not. I, I want to make sure that I'm giving the right message Know what it is that you are getting into. Do the research. Learn what it is. If you have a passion for something, go for it. I understand it's a lot of work. It's mm. a lot of work, and you will spend a, a large amount of time just working constantly mm. just to get yourself in a good position, especially if you're going to have it pay for, you know, if it's, if it's going to pay off, if it's going to be your livelihood, things that I didn't know before getting into this, uh, you know, it would have been nice if I did more research. And, uh, and this is coming from somebody that actually enjoys what they do, but it pays off to know what it is that you're doing. It's not like going into, for example, like the medical field and knowing, all right, well, I'm going to be a nurse and here's a book that tells me everything that I'm going to need to know and here's TV shows that mention kind of examples that end up happening on the job that might throw you a little bit and here's my cousin that does the same thing that I am trying to do in the field and going into medical field you know or you know another example is going into law enforcement and you already have an idea of what it is going into this is not really any set direction it's not no no like clear cut plan layout of how to do it. So when I say know what it is that you're getting into, have an idea of what you want to do and how to obtain it. Don't go in blindly. I went in blindly and spent a lot of time in areas that, you know, I could have put that attention into something else and things could have happened a lot smoother, I'd say. So just know what it is that you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and have a passion for it. Don't call yourself wanting to do it and then just finding out that it's not, you know, what you want after you spent so much time doing it. You know, get your feet wet a little bit. Dip a toe, as they might say. You know, if you don't just be like, all right, well, I like playing video games, so I'm going to make video games. I hear that so often. Yeah, I bet. I hear that so often. 
that's not what it is. I don't even play video games no more. I haven't played. I I have a PlayStation 2 for, for those out there that, you know, are, are younger and might not even know what a PlayStation 2 is at this point. Just because that was... I got it when I was in high school. So, yeah, that the age this point yeah some of y'all might not even been born when playstation 2 came out <laughs> i have a playstation 2 and since then you know i don't really have a you don't have time you you're working all the time and i don't want it to just sound like you know work 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 but it is mm-hmm. and but it's what you get out of the work that you're doing somebody had said to me like you know you work all the time trying to get me to go out and do some stuff and i was like no yeah i get you I'm, i'll be busy like well you work all the time when are you ever happy i'm like well, it's not it's not about happiness i wouldn't say that i don't get enjoyment from what it is that i do it's about fulfillment mm. and i think as artists in general i don't want to just say it's me i think it's an art thing you find fulfillment when you've done something, when you've accomplished something or created something that you felt strongly about in a sense. So I might be working. And like when I say working, I'm talking about not just me doing artwork for my sake, but artwork for a job, for example. And I can be doing that work and not have any attachment to it because it's not mine. It's going out to somebody else. It's a contract. It's a job. But I can still gain fulfillment and even joy from what it is that I created, even though I didn't even have an attachment to it. I was just doing a job. But how I felt about the end result brings that form of joy. It almost becomes something that you seek out, uh, something that you I don't want to say need, but you want. It's just Mm -hmm. fulfillment as it's your art side. Yeah. At least it's my art side. So and then, you know, sometimes you just have to you, you have to get that work in and and not go out to the movies or go out to the bar or, you know, you have to do work. It takes a lot of work to, to get there. So to, you know, double back and go back to your question, I would tell people just know what it is that you're getting into and have a passion for it. Uh, Just like anything else that you would want to do, you shouldn't go into law enforcement if you don't have a passion for it or helping people. You shouldn't go into the medical field if you don't have a passion for helping people um, know what it is that you're doing and mm-hmm. and have some form of drive to it, because that's what's going to make you better and keep you pushing to do more and learn more and get better at your, your craft. What does it take to have a video game produced and marketed today? I mean, well, it's it's different levels of it. Um they have these terms which uh, they say you hear AAA thrown around all the time, which they use for games like the ones that you would see on TV for mm-hmm. the the Gears of Wars and the. Um, I'm not even really sure what games are out right now. I'm I'm gonna date myself if I keep on saying titles. Uh, people be like, they ain't been out for like the past six years. I'm like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> um, but it depends on what tier gaming you're talking about Hmm. i deal with a lot of while i deal with triple a titles and and things like that i'm typically more i gravitate more towards uh indie you know independent developers doing their own things and and it ranges so you might have somebody that's making a mobile application which is you know phone games and the process could you know take 
few weeks, a few months, depending on how detailed. I mean, people know of Flappy Bird, and I'm sure that game, and that's the one when you have the, the phone, I think you tap the screen to make the, the bird fly in between the, the tubes and whatever. I never played it. But that could have been made in a day. And, you know, if it's a skilled enough person or a team, um, you can have something like Angry Birds, which I'm pretty sure was pretty, you know, fairly easy to make as far as, you know, a phone application game. And you can go up from that to something that's more, um, you know, known or I'll just jump actually all the way to the higher and then you guys can fill in the in-between, but then you go to, like, the AAA tier, which would be those bigger titles, and, and um, what's the one? Red Dead Redemption 2 is a title. I, I actually had a chance to play that game a little bit. It came out last year, end of last year, and gamers know the game. It's a, it's a big deal. It was a big deal when it came out, and that game is like you are playing like a cowboy you are it feels like it's real hmm. everything about like front down to the art to the the animations everything just feels real and that game might have took you know three years to make wow and with studio with a large million dollar studio and I, if i remember right i want to say i knew at one point and i'm gonna say this wrong so nobody uh you know uh, jump at me about it but there was there was millions of dollars that were put into that game I want to say it was something like 30 million and I could be 100% wrong but I want to say that was right something maybe that was the Witcher that I'm thinking of but you know it's millions of dollars hmm. for these game titles which is why I'm like the game better be good for, <laughs> for it being million just let me get one in a million yeah um you know millions of dollars for these titles with teams of you know very large teams of people mm. ranging from all type of specialties it's it's and and outsourcing to different locations so it's not even just one studio working on things they might be outsourcing to to europe to china to you know all over the place uh-huh. uh, where work can be cheaper and thing you know that's that's how things go nowadays so um, and then everything in between those two ranges of, you know, a day of development for something that can still catch on and still sell out. Angry, Angry Bird, Birds. Angry Birds got a movie, you know, is a movie and all type of merchandise. And, you know, that game is worth all type of money. Same thing with uh, Minecraft. That game is absolutely no art involved in it, <laughs> but uh, it's just boxes, but millions of dollars hmm. and is very simplistic so it ranges yeah. you know what it takes to to put these games together and what quality you want and just if something's engaging mm-hmm. um but if i'm just speaking on the in the art sense you know it it can just range in how the quality of art that you're creating and um you know the style the best thing that you can do is kind of know what it is that you're working towards, like have an idea of something mm-hmm. and figure out if that concept and that idea is doable for your team or even if it's just you, can you do this on your own? So, you know, and if you can't, you might want to dial it back a little bit yeah. and, and just make it so, and you can still have an amazing game with art that's not very prominent. What is your personal goal 
your your art, your three D art, art and well, 3D I, animation. What what do you want to accomplish? I, I think everybody in in my field is always looking for a, a side hustle in a sense, um, having something else that can that can provide or potentially become something because you you have a a a urge to keep on creating mm-hmm. and you know while it pays the bills you you know sometimes depending on what job you're working you can be doing a lot of the same stuff over and over again which is fine but not all positions allow the creativity that an artist might like yeah so you always are creating something you so everybody always has a side project or multiple side projects i don't know one single person in my field that does not have a side project it's almost like having a plan b or C. So uh, <laughs> for me, I would like to see something I've never seen before. Mm. I would like to create a narrative um, that I've witnessed all my life and grew up with from my experiences and my influences just from coming up in the household that I came up in and allow other people to see what I've had the opportunity to see or allow people to see something that is dear to me and I would have liked to see as a as a child you know not just based off of me but what you know might have been on a video game or Mm -hmm. on the screen Uh, I think there's a a lot of people that would want to see something different I have a a different preference and I'm just different in general you know so uh, that's good yeah we wouldn't have art if we didn't have different people and and I'm one of them different uh I like to say (laughs) I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna say eclectic because I'm I'm kind of across the board with with a lot of different things. Mm. So um, I am a little eccentric, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I would I would that's what I'm trying to do. Uh, I haven't really put too much of what I'm working on out yet, but, but uh, we'll see in the future. I'm, I'm hoping I so. I trust so. I'm, I'm, and I'm rooting so. for you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Well, where really can do. our listeners see some of your art online now? Um, you can, um, I've never been great at social media and that's the truth, but I do have art that you can see, um, on art station I might even have some on, uh, deviant art, but I'm nobody's ever going to find that. Uh, but <laughs> you can find me on art station at artstation.com and just type Isaiah Banks and I'm sure something will come up. I, <laughs> So Isaiah Banks at artstation.com. There you go. Yeah. Good, yeah. good. Well, check it out. I've really enjoyed our conversation. Thank you so much for I, coming in today. I really appreciate you having me. I really do. Like, I, I was excited. I'm, I'm, I was ready to keep on talking. I, this is like therapy to me. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for having Thank me. Thank you. The Arts of the San Joaquin Valley has been produced and hosted by Linda Scheller and Sandy Graham and features music by Kilobot, Waves of Wonder from the album Jazzy Lazy. You can learn more about their music at www.kilobot.de. That's K-I-E-L-O-B-O-T dot D-E. If you would like us to feature your art-related event or if you would like to be featured on our show, 
contact us at arts at kcbpradio.org. Stay tuned for more great community radio brought to you by local volunteers, the Modesto Peace Life Center, and listeners like you. Please visit kcbpradio.org to show your support and to learn more about your community radio station. Catch you next time on the Arts of the San Joaquin Valley.